Westworld Season 3, Episode 6, Decoherence is over, but we are just getting started here on the Westworld Podcast on Post Show Recaps. It's the Welcome to Westworld Podcast on Post Show Recaps. I'm your host, Josh Wiggler. I am joined here by my fellow host, Joe Garfine. Joe, I got the car. Oh, they're all dead. I'm sorry. I'm I'm in therapy right now, beating up my former selves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, week in and week out, that is effectively what I do. It's maybe not quite so tangible and visceral, but that is akin to my... <laughs> it was like a glimpse into my psyche. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm constantly at war with past Josh Wigglers. I mean, it's maybe one of my favorite scenes of the entire year so far, let alone the entire show, Westworld. Uh, yeah, I, I so I have some interviews up for this episode of Westworld over at uh, The Great Hollywood Reporter, uh, THR.com slash Westworld. I got two in this week, one with Tessa Thompson, who obviously had a very big episode here in Decoherence, episode six of season three. Also one with Ed Harris. And Joe, I got to say... <laughs> Ed Harris used to be so. So when I was when I was a lot younger, when I was in college, uh, I like man crushed rather hard on Ed Harris. I just loved Ed Harris in anything. I used to have a sign on my door uh, in college that said, "Do not enter without permission unless you're Jack Bauer or Ed Harris." So it was either Jack <laughs> Bauer, the fictional character, or Ed Harris, the actor. That's how much I loved Ed Harris back in college. Uh, and so the first time I ever interviewed him, I think was for season two of Westworld. And he's very one wordy and like. He's very quick and to the point. He has a reputation for being like kind of like a no nonsense, no bullshit type of guy. Uh, And I guess like maybe I didn't fully understand that the first time. So I was very intimidated during my first interview with him. Then I interviewed him a few months afterwards, steeled, knowing more of what to expect. And it was like it was definitely a few leaps forward in quality of conversation. (laughs) And then this past week was the third time that I spoke with him. Uh, He was like very kind and empathetic with me being a New Yorker in the middle of uh, the global epidemic and everything. Um, and, you know, asking questions about, you know, what's happening at 7 p.m. Uh, with, you know, New Yorkers like cheering for the helpers and everything like that. That's nice. But he was still very one wordy. And he was also deeply, deeply honest. Uh, this is a man who is very, very, very honest about his experiences. Uh, and when it came to Westworld, he, without like any provocation from me, repeatedly offered up like, yeah, I didn't really enjoy myself this season. I like playing the man in black. I don't know who this guy is. It was uh, hard to enjoy. It was kind of frustrating. I think he said at one point, it's a little bit aggravating, to be honest with you. And I was I was on the other side of the microphone, uh, you know, during my phone call with him, just like kind of like smiling ear to ear. It's like, Ed Harris, more like you, please. Like somebody who just like clearly has like a good heart, good moral compass. and also just like slices through the bullshit. Uh, that's Ed Harris, ladies and germs. Uh, and, you know, understandable for a guy who kind of signed on for Westworld, I think, thinking he was just going to be sort of a subverted version of the man in black, the, you know, the, the gunslinger from uh, from the movie, who's like the scary evil host in the film. Uh, and here he's like, they're subverting that with it being like a, a human is the, is the gunslinger and is the dangerous person. But they've obviously complicated the arc quite a bit. And like, he's a very complicated character. He's at the center of the mythology. He's maybe not being used in every episode the way that Ed Harris expected. He's not really in man in black mode anymore, at least in terms of like the costume. Uh, so he, I, I don't think that he loves it. And I told him, I said, like, I think your frustration with the experience probably helps you in terms of getting to where the character is at. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> was like, he was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's refreshing to hear him say that in his interviews because yeah. 
He obviously has zero Fs to give. Yeah. He's obviously expressed this to Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan. Yeah. And like they know he's not going to lose his job. He's Ed Harris. He can say whatever he wants. Anything. Anything. Uh, same way I know he, he did, I had a similar interview, I think, with New York Magazine, with Vulture. Uh, and, uh, at one point, I think, I, I, I think I edited this out of the, of the, of the official Q and A, but I think that I said to him something along the lines of like, I mean, I guess it sucks for you, but like, it's good for the character, right? If you're frustrated, like you could pour that into him and he goes, yeah, oh yeah, this is definitely my problem. Uh, it's definitely a me problem <laughs> thing. Uh, so, uh, uh, definitely a, a much more readable version of that conversation exists at THR.com slash Westworld. Uh, and a really good one with Tessa Thompson as well, uh, who's talking about all the things that happened with, I think just for the sake of simplicity, let's just, we're calling her Charlotte now. Uh, this is the new Charlotte Hale, a uh, Charlotte. Charlotte Hale that would check in on her family, which I suppose is the thing that gives up the game as for whether or not this Charlotte Hale is indeed Charlotte Hale. But obviously we're, we're kind of in like full spoiler mode for this episode now already. Uh, enough filibuster for you if uh, for some reason you're wandering in here without having watched episode six yet. But it was a doozy, Joe. Uh, Charlotte's whole family blows up. Uh, all, of the, all of the different Williams, even if they're internal, they're deceased. Um, and I think like, that's all she wrote for Hector Escatine, I think. Finally. I mean, I just kept thinking of like South Park. Oh my God, they killed Kenny. It's yeah. like, no, he's not dead. Yeah. But I think he, first of all, can we talk about how she smushed the brain ball? I thought they'd be a little more solid than that. I guess you have like, I don't know what kind of, uh. Special powers. Robot roids you're on. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think he's finally dead. Feels like it, right? Like he got a guest starring Rodrigo Santoro in the credits. Right. Um, so it feels like they brought him back twice. They gave they gave us a little bit of a Hector ending. Uh, I'm sad about that. I love Hector Escaton. And you know, Maeve has very few allies and he was certainly one of them. Yeah, every single season has like some serious like hard making out scene between Maeve and, and Hector. <laughs> And this episode I, was no exception. It was great. I also don't think we'll see Sizemore much anymore, if at all. I wonder, uh, because I I was really sideswiped by the fact that the Maeve storyline. So basically, we could take this in three chunks, I think. We could talk yes. about the Maeve storyline, the Charlotte storyline, and the Man in Black storyline. So why don't we why don't we start with the Maeve storyline, because that's where the episode begins, with her in, you know, like a, a simulation of the Valley Beyond. It's not actually the Valley Beyond. Cool to see, like, that aspect ratio and everything all over again. But this is like Sorak reminding her of, like, this is where you could go. And then the ob- other options are not so great. Um, and she's having her body printed at Delos, it looks like, and her pearl is there at Delos, and Charlotte is is going to destroy Maeve, if not for the fact that her plans get foiled, um, but she's there in time to destroy Hector. But I guess that that answers our question of this, this war world simulation that was created. Was it just like all these people who are extensions of Maeve or these people that could slip and slide out of this world as well? And it looks like it's the latter because Hector's Pearl was actually like inserted into Warworld um, and has actually been destroyed uh, by by Charlotte, which makes me wonder, Joe, as Maeve is looking for allies and at the end of the episode in the Maeve storyline, we see that a body is being printed is there a world in which she is bringing Sizemore out of War World and into the real world with her? If there are only a certain amount of people that she can trust, is that like a capability? Can you like 3D print 
a computer program, even if that wasn't something that was like designed as a host first and foremost. I had not given Sizemore uh, even one ounce of thought for that. For me, it was like, okay, she's going to get Clementine. And I thought she was making a duplicate of herself and following Dolores's lead and making another Maeve. Yeah. Um, do you follow Kim Renfro on yes. Twitter? Yes. Kim Renfro, invaluable resource when it comes to all things Westworld. And if you're not following Kim, huge mistake. So seek out Kim Renfro. But she does like a lot of um, big Easter egg posts, uh, lots of like tweet storms about things that maybe you missed in the episode. Um, and she pointed out that it, it seems pretty likely that Clementine is coming back. Uh, which is cool. That's awesome. With two episodes Absolutely. left to go here, and if Maeve's backed into a corner, uh, she can, and especially if now we know that like you can access previous builds of people, then maybe there's like a version of Clementine that predates like when she got uh, you know her the nose thingy into the brain ball back in season one before she became like super Clementine, but kind of like zombie Clementine throughout season two. Uh, that maybe there's a backup of her that they can they can install, and Maeve can quickly wake up. Um, that would be my guess. So I, I think we'll definitely see Clementine. Um, but is that going to be enough? Is that backup enough? Or does Maeve need a bigger squad? And if she needs a bigger squad, and if the the Hector Pearl seems to be gone for now, and if they don't have access to like a Hector backup, which I feel like maybe they should, which is why death is so impermanent on this show, even when it seems as permanent. The way that they filmed that, like the crumbling of the Pearl that felt like end of the line stuff for Hector. Um, yeah. What about Armistice? Like, knows? I feel like she's got some other previous allies like Armistice and some of the folks from Shogun World. Yeah. Yeah. It would be cool to see some of the like the bow lady, uh, bow lady and Armistice who were like each other's doppelgangers. Right. That'd be cool. Yeah. What about Akechida? Yeah, I'd be down with that. That would be fun. Uh, and then he'd be like, wait, so I'm here. <laughs> But I'm also in the Valley Beyond, but True. I'm also Can't here. You do both? Yeah, no, probably if, if you could have like a, a thousand Dolores, how, why can't you have like, if we're talking about the Dolori, why can't we talk about the Akechite? Right. The Akechite. That, that opening sequence with the simulation where Maeve is meeting with Sirak, it's just, it's startlingly sim- familiar to Sirak and his brother in the field and also Maeve with her daughter in the field. So there's like that tangible family connection to that particular area. So I'm curious. I'm curious who's going to be part of Maeve's wrecking crew. She definitely needs a wrecking crew. I think she meets Dolores in this episode, right? She meets so the, good. She meets the Connells, Dolores, uh, and I thought that that was instructive because that did seem like a Dolores who some of Bernard's like words of wisdom before Tommy Flanagan um, blew himself up and they recovered his pearl, obviously. Um, that like some of what Bernard was saying about like would Dolores do this for you? Dolores, uh, which is so confusing uh, <laughs> that like that seemed to seep in to an extent and like the weariness with which Evan Rachel Wood played those scenes and like the analysis scenes of Maeve and this version of Dolores, the Connell's Dolores felt like this is a, we're seeing the capability that Dolores can be like disappointed by herself, uh, which I think is something that we want to be tracking as we know that Charlotte is where Charlotte's at by the end of the episode 
You know, like yeah. what version of her is, is she going to be pissed off? I, I'm I starting to think so. it was Dolores' downfall to bring out her own versions of her brain balls because she's brought out different, earlier, flawed versions. Charlotte Hale wants to crawl out of her own skin because she just, you're like, literally taking on the qualities of the original Charlotte Hale and the emotion, the conversation about emotion, which is fascinating about not why they didn't turn off emotion. Uh, and this version uh, with the Connell's brain ball, Dolores naked down there at HQ, it's, these are, tainted uh broken versions of dolores and maybe that's going to be her downfall yeah yeah i think very likely uh i think very likely that dolores kind of like figuring my best move is to count on myself right like my best move is to i have no one i can trust better than i can trust myself i think is maybe disregarding the power of an environment on someone and like what somebody's circumstances can do to them and we've seen that now with charlotte and i think even with the Flanagan Dolores, the one that we see in in uh, in in the War World simulation with Maeve, is somebody who now knows that like she like threw herself onto the grenade for maybe for nothing, or at least like there's nothing more for her, right? Like there's you know she's done. Um, so I think that that's interesting, but it did make me wonder if now that like Maeve is hip to the idea that you can copy yourself, is Maeve going to copy herself? How That's many, what I'm thinking. A Maeve army. Maves, yeah. The Maves. Which would be amazing. The Maves. Amazing. You know, we've, we've been talking about the Maves for so long, since the beginning of our Westworld coverage uh, back then when we thought that it was about the Maze, but maybe it was an early call for plural Maves. God, they- <laughs> I hope so. More Tandy Newton, please. A small army of Maves would be great. Um, I, I have a thought about Maeve. Tell me. So... You know, obviously she's, quote, working for Ciroc right now. And Dolores, is, as the Connell's brain ball, is trying to convince her that he's the enemy. I think when she finds out who killed, tried to kill, or did kill uh, Charlotte Hale's family, and that there's a child, an actual child was killed, she would go and fight the person who had made that happen. Yeah. Now, everyone's assuming that Ciroc is the person who had Charlotte Hale's family killed. I'm saying it's Dolores. Oh. Because she needs, like, oh. she got rid- She's Connell served his purpose. Hale served her purpose. And when she ran out of that purpose and, and Ciroc took over Delos, she was no longer needed. Oh, so we see that one guy who's there who like seemingly like rocket launched them. Right. Right. But you're assuming it's Ciroc, but I was like, oh no, she's Charlotte. I mean, Dolores has people too. Yeah. What if that's, yeah. I mean, like what if she like used uh, that underground app to just hire someone to do a personal? Exactly. So if, depending on who killed that kid, that's the person that Maeve's going to go after. Maeve, you know, Maeve, she's all about her daughter. Yeah. So, so here's, here's something. So, so Charlotte crushes Hector's pearl. Yes. Maeve rightfully uh, freaks out. It's a bit, it's very evocative of the matrix, right? Not like this, not like yes. this, uh, you know, RIP Ajax and whoever switch in APOC, I believe are their names. <laughs> Uh, when Cypher is pulling da- that dastardly Cypher, Joey Pants strikes again. Uh, gotta get Joey Pants on Westworld. That would be a fun character. Oh my God, totally. Uh, um, ignorance is bliss. Um, <laughs> will Maeve be able to like realize, like, will, will Maeve and Charlotte be able to get on the same page? If you're right and Dolores killed Charlotte's family, and even if not, and even if, uh, even if like Dolores didn't kill Charlotte's family, but Charlotte assigns like the gravity of the situation 
to Dolores for like putting her on this mission and endangering these people. Do you think that Maeve and Charlotte can get on the same page because like they're they now like the enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of deal? I hope so. And it's not just because I want Tanny Newton and Tessa Thompson to work together, but I think that would be fantastic. I think that's a total possibility. You know, I I think that like I don't know if this was like a galaxy brain moment or if I'm just late to the party. But one of the things that I was thinking about is how how much the show committed to Dolores kind of being um, not like the antagonist, certainly, but like an antihero. Right. Yes. Like where, where she is. She is somebody who like you have a lot of characters on the show who you like that are actively working against Dolores. Bernard, Maeve, potentially Charlotte now. And you really like Tessa Thompson more than you like Charlotte, but you like this person that Tessa Thompson is playing. Um, like, maybe you don't like Ciroc. Maybe you, maybe Ciroc is, like, at the top of that hate pyramid. But, like, beneath that, like, you're very worried about Dolores and Dolores' skills. And I, and I think that, like, through a lot of season two where the show started to lose a lot of people was, um, was Dolores taking that turn. Um, but I kind of think, like, is this just me like waking up late to like the point of the show, but like in, in the same way that they turned the man in black from like the robot gunslinger from the movie into like a human, uh, like a frail human on the show who like initially presents as a uh, very fearsome, but the further you get in with him, you just see how broken this dude is. Um, in that same vein, did they want to like subvert like the innocent farmer's daughter is actually like the T-1000, you know, is actually yeah. like, you know, the the big killer robot that you got. You're never too late. Welcome to the party, man. Yeah, I mean, I guess like <laughs> I kind of like sort of intuited that, but uh, it's just like kind of like crystallized for me this week. Like, yeah, yeah. like she's she's scary. You know, like but sending way, Charlotte back into the lion's den, that was messed up. I know the whole that. First of all, Tess Thompson, we know, is a Marvel superhero. So those scenes were amazing. And she's kicking ass at Delos HQ. Um, and that last scene, good Lord, with her Anakin Skywalker crawl. I know. It's unbelievable. But the reason I'm also assuming that it was Dolores that blew up Charlotte's family is that she blew up Connell. So maybe she's doing the same. She's I know that obviously you anyone can blow stuff up, but it's her MO to blow stuff up right now. Right. Yeah. So she- we'll see. She loves blowing stuff up. I think it's a good theory. I like it. Um, yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't like it, <laughs> but I like the theory. Like, I like the theory's possibility for bearing out. I don't yes. like it if that's what's happened because, man, Dolores. Just, hey, speaking uh, of Dolores, ruthless. I have a question. We see Jonathan Tucker again. We do. Oh. All right. Okay. Let's let's talk about the Man in Black stuff because, okay. like, they give him the stuff, right? They give him the stuff in his uh, like the his grill. The, the administrator is uh, the guy who's in that scene with Walter White in Breaking Bad, the Say My Name speech, where he's like, you're Eisenberg. You're damn right I am. <laughs> so, it's, so it's that guy. Uh, and they give him, like, send him to the desert or something like that. And he's, like, assigned, like, months of VR therapy. I don't think that we know how long he's in therapy for. Right. Ultimately, I can't imagine it's a crazy long period of time because things seem to be escalating very swiftly in the world, given what Dolores did, uh, like the the therapist who takes her own life. That's really messed up. Oof. Uh, and the man in black watching that. But like the man in black, I guess we can't call him that, even though Ed Harris would love for us the to man call in him white. that. You know, the man in white, uh, the man in white <laughs> is like he wakes up from like his VR thing and there's Jonathan Tucker. 
like you say, he's the the you know great actor, obviously. But for people who don't remember him, he was like very briefly a part of season two. He was the guy who like screwed up with you know he screwed with Clifton Collins' family, and the Man in Black fed him nitroglycerin, and then uh, then Lawrence blew him to smithereens, which was cool. Well, two What's things. He that's the only time when that's the only time we saw the Man in Black be somewhat kind when he was in Westworld is when right. he helped out Lawrence. And two, does this answer the question of that last remaining brain ball that Dolores brought with her? Well, is that's my question. Is that actually him, or is this all in his damn mind? Ah. And, and if it's in his mind, like, why? What is he doing here? Is this just to like trip us out further, or is it because like? This dude's like actually back. What is his name? Like Major Craddock or something yeah. like that? Yeah. I mean, see, the way I read it is he is, he has a Dolores brain ball and he's under Dolores's control. He's there to make sure William stays. He's there to make sure that he gets that grid installed and to, to, to make sure he does that psychotherapy because what's happening in the real world, Dolores has a purpose for William. We just haven't seen it yet. And I think that she'll bring him out when she needs him. So William goes to therapy uh, and so it's not only that Jonathan Tucker is back, it's Jimmy Simpson shows up. Can't, can't have a season of Westworld without some Jimmy Simps. So no one's complaining. Here's the McPoyle. McPoyle's back. Uh, we've got, we've got two different Ed Harris's three, I suppose three Ed Harris's. We've got the Ed Harris. who's like the Ed Harris prime is the man in white. He's, he's experiencing everything. Then there's the man in black, Ed Harris, Ed Harris's favorite, uh, and then there's the philanthropist, uh, Ed Harris, and the, is the William in the tuxedo. Um, and he's uh, at a, his there's like a young boy version of him, the one who's always lost in his books, who clearly had a pretty tough childhood, who apparently like beat the crap out of some people in school. So he's always had this in him uh, is uh, the question that he's left with. Have you always just like like but even that is, you know, a question of like, is that nature versus nurture? We still don't really know. And the ultimate takeaway from this like guidance counselor session with Peter Mullen back as James Delos. <laughs> so great. He's such a great character. I wish that they'd found a way to, to do more with him because just like his lilt, you yes. know, and he, also has an amazing, <laughs> he has an amazing quarantine beard right now. His quarantine beard was awesome. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah. Like he, he really let it grow in. Like he went from just a, a quarantine goatee to just like full on quarantine beard. I didn't know that you could like do that as a robot, but That's, here you you're go. just jealous because your beard doesn't get that I bushy. I know. All I get is the neared. I just get my <laughs> neck beard and that's it, or my near beard or my nerd beard. However you want to break it up, it's the neared. Well, let's, um, let's talk about that therapy session for a minute because the opportunity to literally kill your past is something that most people would like to have. Yeah, yeah that'd be cool. That'd be but cool. But the aesthetic of it reminds me of everything else on the show, which is that it's a room in the round, like the maze for Westworld, like the Insight logo. And, you know, the game does end. There is a door at some point for William. But uh, when Delos was in his little staged area inside of HQ of Delos, he was in a round room as well. There's something to it. It is all connected. Yeah, I think so, too. I, and we've seen the maze imagery pop up a few times this season. Also, in the graffiti on the wall, that was a maze insight hybrid uh, in this episode. Yeah. So, like, what's going on with all that? Uh, obviously, we want to be thinking about, like, what's at the center of all of this. Um yeah, William getting to confront his past, Joe. So rad. And everyone's like, it's not my fault. That guy did it. <laughs> no, I didn't do it. I was giving everyone the money and I was being really happy with people and doing good stuff. Well, don't blame me. I kept all my killing to the park. I was just beating up junk. That doesn't count. Uh, and so the man in white is just like watching it all being like, oh, what? 
it's interesting because now he does see himself as a good guy and he's literally putting on the veritable white hat, um, it, which is just such so fascinating. And I, again, I wonder how much of it is by design because they installed that military grid in his mouth that Caleb has. And we'll get to that in a second. And to me, that's an interesting choice because if Dolores is in control, she's not anymore because insight controls those things. Yeah. So that's the question. And obviously there are parallels between Caleb's flashback in the same goggles being undergoing some kind of terrible treatment. And we have to ask, is it the same institution that Caleb was at? And also, is it the same institution where Ciroc's brother was? Right, right. And I think the treatment that the man in black is having or William is having, uh, how close to what has happened to Caleb is that it seems like, uh, you know, the the benefit of this is like, so William kills the past. Uh, he comes out with the with the the ethos of like, what does it matter if this was free will or not? If I have no idea, right? Like, who cares if like this was me or if this was predetermined? Like, who cares if it's free will or determinism, basically? Which is like the big question at the heart of another uh, really fun science fiction series that just wrapped up uh, recently in Devs. Um, that's the question that like William comes out asking, and so that like frees him up a bit. Uh, and so he walks away being like, I'm the good guy. And Ed Harris's interpretation of that is that that means William, like he knows that he's done wrong. He knows that a lot of what's going on in the world is his fault. He's not like, you know, feeling like he needs to like moralize about that, but he does feel like he needs to rectify. So in like that sense, like that kind of gives him like that little bit of an unforgiven bent, right? Like it gives him a little bit of that, like Western grizzled hero thing again. Um, but it's fascinating because he- if William gets out, what power does he hold in the new world? Who will know who he is? Does he still have his money? Like, I don't, I don't really see the end game yet for William. I don't either, but he's now with Stubbs and Bernard, right? Like they pull Which, him out. Like the right place at the right time again. I mean, yeah. obviously. So Bernard said, I'm part of this plan. Dolores is to me, it still has tentacles and everything. And Bernard showing up there is by design. My question is, like, if William can go through that revolutionary experience in the in the VR stuff, like what happened to Caleb? Like, obviously, like some some shit got scrubbed and rearranged in his own brain. Uh, right. So what does that all look like for for Caleb? I think we got to look at it's it's the eyes, man. The eyes have it. It's the goggles. It's the glasses this season. It's true. It's such great technology. And I remember the therapist specifically said that they used this kind of therapy on veterans with PTSD. So even though William isn't a vet that we know of in an actual military sense, he clearly has PTSD from the park and his life. Here's the thing about Caleb, and I know that there's some feedback we'll get to, but I don't want him to be anyone else. I hope he is a human being. I agree. And isn't a version of someone we know, because like you've said, this is a trick and a game that Westworld has played on us many times and it's been enjoyable. But I hope that Aaron Paul's character winds up being a human being. I completely agree. Completely. Okay. Uh, and I, I think like if they veer from that, obviously, we'll probably be, be be back next week talking about that. I expect <laughs> like that's like a penultimate episode reveal uh, yeah. if if that goes down. Um, yeah. What what is what does Dolores still need with William so much that she has Bernard and Stubbs like on the trail of William? How did Bernard and Stubbs like know to go and get William? Maybe they think that they need him for something. Um or so, yeah. I don't the know. key that everyone thinks is in Dolores' head that Sirach thinks is being hidden in the institution inside of William. Mm. Maybe he has the value beyond. Maybe he has all of the data up there 
I don't know. Hopefully it wasn't uh, screwed up by his therapy, but you know, you never know. They are hiding him away. And remember Charlotte Hale as Dolores put uh, something in his neck in his bloodstream and whether it's a tracker, whether or not it's a drug that gets activated or maybe obfuscates what's hiding in his brain ball. There are many possibilities. Uh, let's talk about the, the Charlotte stuff. Uh, Charlotte's web uh, that it's, it's not just what happens to her family, but like, this was like what you'd been seeing in the trailers, right? All the way leading up to season three, there was going to be some sort of badass Tessa Thompson fight scene. Here we I are. Mean, we all want that blazer now, okay? It was like a cape. <laughs> it was a capelet blazer slash superhero cape that King Valkyrie used with great success. You I think thought I that could was rock rad. one. Would I look all right? I think your shoulders. I think you probably could. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. What maybe is? What pink. about my shoulders? I'm just saying, I mean, it might Do be I need a to work them out a little harder. Yeah. I'm just saying both of us need a little, little bigger size uh, for the shoulders. Maybe, maybe give like me a, a bump up. It was a capelet. Um, I, I mean, the, we've talked ad nauseum about the costume design this season, which is fantastic, but that was a very a useful, um, it reminded me of the Captain America elevator scene, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. where she, he just goes to town and everybody. And I was like, oh, she's going to use her jacket. And she sure did. And she sure did. And she also used the riot control unit. That oh, was cool. The Transformers. I yeah. saw it asked us about that on Twitter. I'm like, gosh, I hope we see those again. Yeah, I hope so, too. But I loved th- I loved how that connected to earlier in the season when she was like, I bet we could find a use for them. Well, she's got those Linda Hamilton shoulders and arms. So she's definitely had that Terminator between Terminator and Anakin in the last scene. Uh, I, I think it was particularly brutal to kill two human beings. And I know that people get killed all the time on this show. Um, but we're used to seeing sort of bad guys in the new world get killed. Uh, and this was shocking. I jumped off the couch and yelled. Yeah, because uh, that was very unexpected. There were a few people who who got wrecked in this episode, whether it was Hector or like that, that uh, board member who's just hanging out with Charlotte, who just gets popped on the street. Yeah. And I thought that that was like that was actually I thought pretty clever in the story of Ciroc being like, yeah, like uh, Dolores screwed up the world. One of the advantages is like you can probably just pop a guy in the street and chalk it up to random chaos. Like, it's yeah, sad, but so. true. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's horrible, but yeah, that makes some sense. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, didn't you find that the Charlotte scene was brutal just because in, in a few short episodes, we not only feel for this version of Charlotte, but you believe her that she really wants to make, to do something with her family and make up for lost time. Um, I really like the actor, uh, Michael Ely, who yes. plays, uh, Jacob was there, is his name? I think so, show? Jake. Yeah. Uh, Jake. And, you know, I'm always going to say Jacob. Uh, Course. but I, I, I really, I really love that actor. I don't know if you ever watched Sleeper Cell. He was the star of Sleeper Cell once upon a time. I remember um, from Barbershop in like 2002. Yeah. And yeah. Didn't, he, didn't he have like a, it's some sci-fi show that was on, uh, I think yes. almost human. Yeah. I think he was on that. Yeah. And I think he was like one of the bad guys on the Kevin Bacon show, the following. So like, I've, I've really enjoyed him in just about everything I've ever encountered him in. So I, I loved seeing him on Westworld. And I, and I think obviously the reason he exists here on Westworld is uh, largely because you want somebody who can kind of like exude uh, likability very quickly. You know, he's got really kind eyes. Uh, and I think that the way that he interacts with uh, with with Charlotte, even though there's like some friction there, like, he's just very kind to her. Like even when he says, like, I didn't look at the stuff. I don't care about that. We make the future. Yeah. Like you just like buy into this and like you you buy into the idea that like you want something better for Dolores. And this version of Dolores is embodied in, in Charlotte. And like the show has done a really great job because Tessa Thompson is such a great, great performer of getting you to like feel for charlotte hale again 
and I think that there's just a lot of great stuff. Like the, you know, having a kid in the mix is always going to make things pretty easy as long as you cast the kid well. And this young actor Jackson Williams, who played Nathan, I thought was 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 totally more than competent in the role. I thought it was very effective the way that they filmed it. Uh, that like she puts him in the back, he looks like nervous and scared. So like now you know that like you know, and Jake is scared too, and they're holding hands, and then the car blows up. Um, <sighs> and like luckily you don't see like the physical carnage that's been wreaked yes. on Jake and Nathan. I think that's a great show of restraint because like you don't need to see that to feel as cosmically devastated as you do because it's like, you know that for Jake and Nathan, their final moments on earth were filled with anxiety and dread already. Yeah. Uh, and that's so terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. But when Charlotte crawls out of the car and Tessa Thompson said that that was largely makeup, yeah. Uh, and that like, uh, before the season, they called her in to do like a full body cast, which is a whole process. Uh, and then she like showed up on set with like the full makeup on. Cause it was like the end of a shooting day. So she said it wasn't as miserable as maybe you would expect. Um, that like there were some like on set people who hadn't seen her, like the tests for this, that all just like gasped when they saw her and like one person cried. So obviously oh, very, man. very impactful. Um, that I think like at that point when she crawls out of the car and you see like the, physical toll that it took on her but she's still alive because she's a goddamn robot uh <laughs> like it it puts you there for her right like you're really there for her you're really in the tank for her and uh lord have mercy for whoever it is she blames this on whether yeah, it's dolores or Sirac. and whoever did blow her up made the same mistake they made with connell's which is that you blow someone up their brain ball does not necessarily blow up so you have a damaged brain ball from Connell's and an intact brain ball from Charlotte. So that would, to me, lean a little more towards Ciroc because he doesn't necessarily know the yeah. durability. However, I, I, I think I want it to be Dolores, you know, like I, I, I root for her as an antihero. Yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's a compelling idea. It just it, it is like suddenly, though, everybody against Dolores and like if Caleb turns on her, too. Uh, then what, what does all of that look like? But if she wins, if she gets her way, like maybe she's just too powerful to be stopped. So it's true. You know, so I think a lot of it depends on your idea of, is this, is this, are we at the end of the line right now? Not just for season three, but the whole show. Um, right. Two episodes left, dude. Potentially two episodes left ever, depending on what direction they take this in. So uh, well, I'm they, curious. I mean, obviously they didn't expect the pandemic and they filmed, finished filming this last year. Uh, you know, for all they, they probably are in pre-production in terms of the writing, but who knows if this is going to go forward for season four? Yeah, we'll find out. Um, we got some feedback from folks. If you want to get into any of that, uh, a lot of this coming our way on Twitter. Of course, you can also email us Westworld at postshowrecaps.com. This comes from Carol C. Carol wrote in and said, I don't even know what day it is anymore. The only reason I know to watch Westworld tonight is because I keep getting a reminder. Uh, you know how people complain that season two is confusing? I can't even tell what's real this season. It's like every freaking character is an unreliable narrator. Yeah, uh, do we have a reliable narrator yet? Is like no. Charlotte the closest? Potentially, but I would call, I wouldn't call anyone reliable at all. Yeah, I think yeah. Charlotte's like our closest to reliable narrator at this point right now, which is something. Now that we know who she is, like we know she's a version of Dolores that isn't happy with her current circumstances, and I think like we've seen her in the mission, so we've seen like the extent of what it is like she was brought in to do, uh, and now like we're really in we're really in it with her, which I think is a big part of another big piece of why like maybe we're really feeling it with with Charlotte because um, 
Like she's like the closest I think to like us feeling what's what's going on. I don't and know. And that being said, it's somewhat related, which is that I have appreciated the the linear nature of this season. I personally find it much easier to follow. Yeah. But I think uh, it's a mixed bag when you look on Twitter. Half the people agree with us and half are just as frustrated. Yeah, I think I am at a point where I'm a little bit confused by it, for sure. And sometimes very pleasurably confused by Westworld <laughs> and sometimes not. Um, and that's not... That's not great. That's not a super fun position to be in. Um, but I, I'm here for the ride. I'm, I'm here to see where it goes. Um, I'm, I'm definitely. Uh, we've come, we've come this far, Joe. And I think, and think when Westworld is firing on all cylinders, it's a real, real treat. And even when it's like sort of half baked or really, really confusing, it's often just like so visually dazzling, or the acting is so good that there's always going to be something that I can grab onto. Uh, but I'd be lying if I said season three has not confused the bejesus out of me. It has, but I like it more than season two, for sure. Um, this was from uh, uh, Brendan Fitzpatrick, the great, uh, the great Fitzy behind the curtain. It says, this is my crackpot theory. Ciroc is a projection of Rehoboam. The real Ciroc is inside Caleb. Uh, basically, no one on this show is a human except for minor characters that all die every episode. That's the reasoning behind it. Um, a lot of people had reached out to us. Uh, about Ciroc, including Hard Rock Hope on Twitter, who said, is this is there a real Ciroc? Is he purely a hologram? Is there a physical body anywhere? I'm starting to doubt it. Um, and I don't know that we've seen a moment where we can feel 100% sure that we've been in the same space as a physical Ciroc, other than maybe his very first scene, because he told Maeve to, like, stop before she tried to, like, stab him while he right. was eating an apple. Yeah, I mean, one part of me thinks he is Rohobi. I can't even say the word. Rohobi, Rohobi. Thank you. The machine. Say five times fast. The, yeah. <laughs> the machine. The, the machine. If the machine is that smart and knows everything, it also know, doesn't need Delos to print its own bodysuits, and it made itself into Ciroc. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm out of hope. Like, Caleb, I hope Ciroc is, is a human being. Doesn't it kind of, like, ruin the the point of the character if he's not? Well, he's so he's such a good, compelling actor that I guess in the end it, it won't matter if it, there's a good payoff. But I just think he's a delightfully delicious villain. His whole thing is like I'm Team Humanity, and if like it just turns out that he's just another freaking robot, I'm. <laughs> it's so funny how now we're like, ah, oh, we want the humans. Yeah, show us some peeps. Show us your humans. <laughs> um, good buddy Ben Martell writes in and says, I think season three is much easier to enjoy. With some distance from season two. And to be honest, I think even season two might be easier to enjoy with some distance from a first watch of season two. Um, I actually agree with that, having done my my season two rewatch relatively recently. Um, ben, ben also agrees. Charlotte Hale's coat was instantly iconic when it debuted this season. But after that fight scene in the lift, is it now one of the all-time great coats? Yeah, between Dolores' dress that changed in the first episode and this coat, we've got some iconic costumes. We do. <laughs> we really do. Uh, Kelly Lynch wrote in, uh, I know there's a lot of talk from this past episode, but can we all raise a glass for our beloved Hector? Again, poor Hector. I don't know if you've got a, a glass nearby. Yep, Joe's got some water. I've got some water as well. I'll take a quick sip. Paolo had a long life on Westworld. Oh, man. Buried alive again. <laughs> Crushed brain ball. Yeah, crushed brain ball. Hector lies. Um, I swear, like, I was more surprised by the ability of her, her to crush that brain ball so easily. And I was like, is it because she's a host and she has special Terminator powers? I don't know. Or is it just like, 
don't know, after everything Hector's been through, is this pearl just a little soft? Well, I mean, Dolores had a purse full of them on a boat, for uh-huh. God's sakes. Uh, Andrew Yu asks us, I don't get why Charlotte had to track William. If she's the architect that led to him being committed, wouldn't she already know where he's taken? I suppose the tracker could locate his specific location within the facility, but that leads to why and how Stubbs and Bernard knew to go and get him. I surmise that Dolores told them, but then why are they now working with her? So I think a lot of questions about, uh, about why William got like injected with that thing when Charlotte injected with him with it back in episode four. And also why Stubbs and Bernard is there kind of like bouncing around from thing to thing, to thing, to thing. Yeah. Why, why William right now? Why are they, why are they back with him? I feel like he's a huge wild card in the end game of this season and potentially the series. It's like the trailers wanted us to be like, it's May versus Dolores, but William is the wild card. Yeah. We don't know. The fly in the ointment, Joe. I'm just glad that uh, Shaloris emerged, uh, obviously quite scathed, but um, they'll rebuild her, hopefully. Yeah, well, with two episodes left, do you think we're going to get a rebuild or is she just going to be uh, in like uh, charred mode? Charlotte. Oh, I knew you'd go there. Rude. All I wrote down was <laughs> Anakin, Terminator, Charlotte, <laughs> Hale. <laughs> you were supposed to be the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> Dolores Nerds. versus Dolores. Uh, Andrew, you had also said, I thought last week's genre bits were cool and wasn't as down on it as you guys. I think it's mostly, I was the one who was really down on it. Joe, you were higher on the episode than yeah. me, so I don't want you to get any splash back on that. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, no one splashes back at me, just you. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Humby, I'm sorry. To all the people who liked genre, I'm glad that you did. Glad you did. Um, I think I'll like it upon more upon watching rewatching it later. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. I think uh, bottom rankings of uh, season three so far. Dude, the music alone saves it. But think of what it's up against in season three right now. I know. I think it's got to be last place. Fine. We'll argue about that at the end. Okay. Nick Snow says, is the new 1% in 2058 the people who have their own hologram? Uh, and of the times that we've seen Sirac, how many was he actually physically present? Yeah, I think like just maybe the once. Yeah. Uh, although all the stuff on the plane, right? Why is he on a why is he a hologram on a plane if he's not actually on the plane? Well, to me, he was until he, like the hologram left the airplane. I feel like he's still on the plane. Yeah. If, think, if anything, I think the only real person we've seen him is on the airplane, and then he sends his hologram everywhere. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. I think it makes sense that he would he would still be flying somewhere, especially because we know like Dolores is flying to somewhere right now too with Caleb. Are they all uh, flying towards the same location? Uh, whatever that is. Uh, and maybe wherever that is, is this from Stefan Johnson, uh, who says, do you think the finale will take place in the actual Westworld? Ooh, interesting. I kind of hope not. I'm enjoying the new world aesthetic so much. And I just feel like taking it back there wouldn't be a great place to end, whether it's a series finale or not. But that's just my opinion. I mean, if it's a series finale, then it's like, this is like getting back to like the heart of the island, Joe. Well, I mean, does Dolores find a way or Maeve through her mesh network to rise up like zombie, you know, a torched, like if Tessa Thompson, I know the skin suits are, don't have brain balls in them that were torched, which is a harrowing scene, even though we know yes. they're fake. Yes. But does it end with the robot rebellion? And is it Maeve or Dolores who raises the dead? We also know, uh, yeah, I, man. Please, Maeve, that would be great. Oh, you know, I love the Mesh Network, and I just like the look. Tandy Newton deserves an Emmy just for her eyes. I know. Do I they have a category of- for eyes? Because that would be great. 
I honestly think uh, between her and Reese Seahorn from Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, I, the, the performances from some of the women on television right now are absolutely astounding. Yeah. Westworld's got a real bounty oh. in that regard. All three women have elevated their performances this season. It's been great. It's yeah. Been super, it's been super, super fun. Um, anything left on the cutting room floor for you here, Joe? No, I'm equally confused but excited. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. No idea what the last two episodes hold. Yeah. Um, it is a, it's been a hell of a ride. I've just found myself enjoying it more. It could be because of world circumstances, because I have time to enjoy it more and watch it more than once. Um, and it's, it's prescient without being terrifying because a lot of future shows, it, things are happening now. And I'm just glad that they didn't happen to have a pandemic theme this season on Westworld. Yes. Uh, thank God. Thank God yeah. for that. Uh, thank God we only have to worry about the robo-apocalypse here <laughs> exactly. uh, in, in Westworld. All right. Well, we'll be back next week talking Season 3, Episode 7, Past Pawn. Still mm. waiting for a chess master to slide in my DMs to tell us what to expect from Past Pawn. That has not happened yet. Hopefully it will. We'll be back talking about that. Joe, what do you got going on? Where can people find you and what what's all the stuff? What's all the jo- <laughs> what's all the Joe opinionated that they can get? I'll be honest with you, not much going on over here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find me uh, at JoePinionated on Twitter and Instagram, where I do a weekly or bi-weekly uh, Instagram live show where I interview different people in the entertainment industry to talk about their careers. And I'm interviewing Lee Majdub tomorrow, who was in Sonic the Hedgehog. He was Jim Carrey's sidekick, Agent oh, nice. Stone. He was also, he's also on The 100, which is coming back next month. So uh, I do that for fun, but Wednesdays and Fridays on Instagram Live at 5 p.m. Pacific. Other than that, I'm l- literally free so um i actually i haven't told anyone this but i don't know when this episode is coming out but i am officially on work furlough starting in may for three months so uh i will have time to podcast and josh and i will discuss potential lost podcasts yeah we'll figure something out whether it's lost or something else joe we will make sure that we're 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 keeping you busy over here and (laughs) uh you and i've been talking a lot offline and and obviously nothing but love for you uh, and, and everybody else who's going through through similar stuff right now. Absolutely. Um, and thank you to any nurses, doctors, delivery yes. people, truck drivers, honestly, anyone who's working right now to feed and help anyone in the in the whole world. We thank you for your service because you're keeping us alive and we are thriving and we have hope because of you. Yeah, 100% co-assigned. And if uh, you're one of those people and you're listening to this podcast and the most we can hope for is like at least like maybe we're making you laugh a little bit during all of this and uh and at least taking your mind your brain ball off of all of the crazy things that are happening in the world right now and what you're dealing with so uh our hearts are with all of you as well uh lots going on here on post show recaps in terms of uh getting a lot of output out there to to keep people distracted as best as we can you mentioned lost joe uh we are up to the long con on down the hatch we survived fire plus water. I liked it more than I thought I would. It's Impressive. lost. It's bad, but it's good. Uh, so let's see how the long con goes. Mike Bloom and I will be recording that very soon. And that podcast will be out on Friday. Uh, a new episode of Everything is Super, our Marvel Cinematic Universe rewatch, will be coming out Thursday morning, one day later this week than usual. We're talking Iron Man 2, Kevin Mahadeo and I. Uh, the Killing Eve podcast. Very, very fun. Jessica Lee and I had a really good time talking about uh, Villanelle clowning around uh, in season three, episode two. What a fun Uh, show. Unbelievable show. Just a blast. Absolute blast. Dark, but fun. Dark, but fun indeed. Uh, And breaking up, not breaking bad, but of course all. 
Yeah, you, you incepted me. Better yeah. Call Saul just wrapped its fifth season. Antonio Mazzaro and I already have our initial coverage of that up. We're going to be getting back together with Rob Sesternino to cover feedback for a bonus show. So keep an ear out for all of that. For people who like to listen to me talk millions of miles a minute about Westworld, and you are also listening to the series' regular Westworld podcast, uh, if you do not follow me on Twitter, then potentially you missed this announcement, but sadly, the series' regular podcast is not moving forward any further. Uh, I am very grateful for everybody who who traveled with me on that journey from Westeros to Westworld. Uh, we, we launched it last year with the Game of Thrones final season. We had some really fun podcasts between that uh talking watchmen with antonio mazzaro every week and we were doing some really fun stuff on westworld as well but uh i believe it was axel rose who said nothing lasts forever uh and sadly that includes uh the november rain and series regular so series regular no more but plenty of podcasting happening here on post show recaps and i'm even hoping um, that Mariah Gullo, who is my co-host over at Series Regular, once Westworld wraps its third season, I'd like to bring her um, over here to post her recaps to do like a wrap up of of the final season. So that could be fun if the three of us got together, I think, and uh, chewed on some theories and chewed on some feedback. So hopefully you'll be hearing from Mariah again on this podcast if you were enjoying Series Regular. Uh, but lots of post recaps. So follow all the respective podcasts on post recaps. Follow us on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Joe's at Joe Opinionated. I'm at Round Howard. Get your feedback into us. Westworld at postshowrecaps.com. At postshowrecaps on Twitter as well. I think that's going to do it, Joe. Be kind to yourselves, lovely humans. Yes, please be kind to yourselves and each other. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.